What up, world? Your Passwords point guard and Trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day. Today's show, more of my conversation with Eric Griffith. He was on the show Friday. We talked all about the Blazers cap situation, kind of laid out the uh, specific financials of, of what the Blazers summer is going to look like. But he's back for Monday's show where we're going to talk a little about the more of the direction of the franchise. So without further ado, let's get into it. Joining me now, contributor to the Lamb Week and host, or not even host, but a former, former writer for Blazers Edge, Eric Griffith. That's Eric G underscore NBA on Twitter. Eric, how you doing? Doing good, Mike. How you doing? Oh, great. Feels like we've... Uh, we- Feels like we've Happy done Monday. this before. Happy Monday! This is Monday show. Do we change shirts? No, we. Everyone <laughs> will know, anyways. If if you're if you're listening to the show or you're watching on YouTube, uh, Eric joined the program for Friday's show, and I made him stick around for Monday's show too because we're having having some fun here. Uh, what is my Friday show? If you missed it, and and you didn't because you're a loyal listener, but if you did happen to miss it, it was a, we laid out the whole cap situation, what the Blazers' money is they have to spend this summer, and kind of the direction they'll go. So go listen to that when you'll kind of get a get a sense of what is ahead for the Blazers this summer. Uh, Eric, I think in general you are a realist, but uh, tending towards pessimism on the spectrum. I say that with respect as someone who's a true pessimist. What excites you about this Blazers team right now? Give me the other side of the coin, please, if you're capable. Yeah, no, no, I think I think um, one of my biggest disappointments for the last few seasons, several seasons has been I don't feel like there's much upside to the roster. Um, mm-hmm. And especially if you look at it from with the with the salary cap centric view and watching the team, for instance, sit on 14 players or not use all of their necessary exceptions. I like from a pure money perspective, I was struggling to see any kind of upside to this team. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, like I, I was not convinced that from 2017 to 2018 to 2019, they were getting better in any, I think they kind of spiked by luck and not by luck, but I think it kind of spiked the one time they invested money in Rodney Hood and in his canter. Um, but otherwise it's just more or less, you know, 40 something wins and losing the first round for eternity. Yeah. Not fun. No. And I think if you have Damian Lillard on the roster, you win 38 games. So you're talking about like the other folks help you win five more, you win 43 games and you're pretty good. Um, so yeah, I hear you. So, so you're, you watched Joe Cronin tear it down. You watched him salary, straight up salary dump, like NBA contributors in Norman Powell and Robert Covington, whatever Norman Powell was making, but you watched him, uh, salary dump and you said, okay, this gives us, I don't want to use flexibility because that's like such a front office word, but it gives, it gives the Blazers a ability to, you know, have some, make other financial decisions. And you said, okay, I have, I I get it. I believe in the plan. Like this, this excited you or, you know, made you feel like there's some hope. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't, I think it's too early to grade the, the, this, these decisions at all. I think we all like, I think we can all look back and see, Hey, maybe it would have been better to hang on to that CJ trade until the off season and maybe yeah. try to get a more secure pick out of it. You know, there's, there's some nitpicking we can do, but overall we don't really know um, we talked about this on Friday. We don't really know what their level of commitment to building out this full roster is yet. Um, and I think now there's the possibility that they are going to build a complete roster. Um, I think when we had Neil Shea around, you know, you you couldn't hope that they're going to sign, use the mid-level exception to sign someone for three seasons. Just very basic things like that weren't even on the table. And so at the very least, we're going into this offseason and we know now that they are willing to be more active. And we know now that maybe they will use the multi-level exception. And so I don't think the team has improved yet, obviously. 
but I see the possibility that they are willing to improve. And as a fan, that makes me excited for the, like truly excited for the first in way too long, honestly, in hundreds <laughs> of games. If they sign uh, Damon Lord to a two year, hundred million dollar max extension, how, how much does your excitement change? Yeah. That, so I, I think my concern, so this is, this is like, so if you want the other side of it, like what the pessimists. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm coaxing it out of you now. Give it to me. So, so my, my pessimistic concern is that we hit reset on everything. We try a different path, but end up in the same place anyway. And you can, you can see that path happening. You can see, okay, Damian Lillard starts to maybe slide down, you know, maybe he's 90% of the player he used to be in a year or two. Yeah, and I, I've they, used the idea that if he was top 10 before, what if he's top 17? And like, what is the difference between the 16th best player in the NBA and the eighth best player in the NBA? Exactly. And then you add, okay, and so, okay, great. Anthony Simons is improving, but Anthony Simons peaks at maybe, what, 110% of what C.J. McCollum brings and brings very similar game to what C.J. brought. And so now we're back at the same place. The overall net value and net skill of Dame and Anthony, like a mature Anthony Simons, is that that different? Than Dame and CJ in 2017, and then what? How do you build a roster around paying those two 80 plus million dollars a season, paying them half of your salary cap, and then you toss in Nurkic, who is also in his own way a limited player, but we've seen how he needs offensive involvement to stay engaged, or he starts to kind of fall, like he starts to lose motivation on the defensive end. It seems we saw that last year in Denver. So you have these three guys who demand the ball, must have the ball getting paid over a hundred million dollars. How do you build a team around that? And I think that would be my pessimistic take is it's, you know, it's very possible. That's what we see in two or three years from now. Yeah. I mean, I will say that an off season where you pay Amphrey Simons, you pay Damian Lord and you pay Yusuf Nurkic feels a lot like a, a Neil Olshay off season, you know, like it doesn't, that doesn't feel like a regime change and a whole big shift and all this things. And like, I think the the approach has changed. Trading CJ McCollum, McCollum is a massive pivot from what the previous group would have done. But pay Nurk, pay Ant, pay Dame is that's what Neil would have done. Like that, that's that's it. And that and I think that might that might change the way you view things. If if Ant's making um, Bobby Marks mentioned on on ESPN. Uh, this is on ESPN Insider. Uh, so if you, it's behind a paywall, but I'll I'll bring it out from the paywall. More aggregating. Apolog- <laughs> more aggregating. Apologies. Uh, we did it on Friday. We're doing it again here. He said that uh, that Ant is projected, or you know, from whatever his connections, Ant projected in the six or the five for ninety Norman Powell range, and that quote might feel like an overpay. Um, I, I think five for the Blazers should should ink five for ninety immediately, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I I do um, something to watch is this scoring right now is at less of like scoring skill is at less of a premium right now in the NBA than it has been in recent memory, because there's so many guys who can score really well on the perimeter. And because of the way the rules encourage these perimeter scorers. So um, I, I think if you, I, I think you have to, to take into account, like we're like, it's going to be very possible to find someone like Seth Curry. So right. how much do you pay Anthony Simons before it becomes more efficient to sign two Seth Curry's? I think Seth Curry's, you know, making right around mid-level money. And so if yeah. you can lock in Anthony Simons at 175% of mid-level money, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so that I, I would feel good about that, honestly. Yeah, I, I think like if they get him at, if they five for 90, like if they get five for 90, that is such a, that is such a team-friendly deal. I think mm-hmm. Ant's going to push towards, I bet, 
I think I at one point guessed five for 95 and I'll probably just stay there because I value consistency on this program. But I mean, uh, you see Bridges, Bridges is, you know, he's already asking for max money. And yeah. so, and, and you, you have to wonder, you know, what, like the Blazers also have to take that into account. Like they can't, can't insult Simons and his agent. Um, and so like, honestly, five for 90, I would like, I think I, on my imaginary cap sheet over here, I think I have I'm at like 23 million was my like reasonable guess. So yeah, I'd, I'd be thrilled with five for 90. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, I, I think the, it's like what you're in baseball. They do like, you know, those terrible arbitration meetings where you just like tell a player on your current roster that he's not good. Um, it's, it's like really bad for the sport, but I think like, um, if you're, you know, you say, if you're from the Blazers side, it's like, it's only, it's only two months. It was just January and February. And if you're on the end side, it's like, you didn't let him play. He got too good to play. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what you did. Um, so I, I would imagine, uh, hopefully five-year contract. I would try to lock Ant up for as many years as possible, but yeah. I think five for a hundred is where I would probably guess it starts. Yeah. And just, just for some quick back of the napkin math, for those who don't, aren't versed in NBA calculator um, five for 90 would be an average of $18 million a year. So with the, you know, with those 8% raises, we're assuming that starts around probably 16, 17 16, million, yeah. which, you know, that I would imagine that's probably what Nurkic is going to demand. And I think exactly. at this point we know Simons is a better player than Nurkic. Um, I feel confident saying that now. Um, so I, I think you smash yes on five for 90 and even yeah. five for a hundred still going to start at around 18 million, which again, feels pretty safe. If you, you know, you, you have to look at the mid-level exception, mid-level exceptions, 10 and a quarter, signing Ant for 18. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. Uh, I want to I ask you about the Amphrey Simons and Damian Lillard pairing. I want to take a second to tell you about Athletic Greens. It's a product that I literally started my day with today. Uh, what I do is I grab a scoop of Athletic Greens, put it in a cup of water, and get started so I can have better gut health, more energy, and just optimize my immune system. You might be asking... Yo, what is what is Athletic Greens? Well, AG1 is a delicious scoop you're, and that you just put in your drink every morning and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole foods source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all of those things. Listen, it's... It's just, it gets you feeling better right away. Um, plus, it has got that mild tropical flavor, so it's it's not too vegetal. It's, it's certainly not chalky. It's It tastes good, and it's easy for you. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Plus, AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's that one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. So right now, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. The days of, of reading multivitamin uh, ingredient lists are done. You can do it all with AG1. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership 
over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. More lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. The uh, NBA playoffs are rolling along. Games literally every single night. It's my favorite time of year, and it is made more fun if you get in on the action at betonline.net. If you don't want to bet on basketball, literally every single other sport, or you can even just go to their website, and play your favorite Vegas casino games. Play a little blackjack. Why not? So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So we're still chatting here with Eric Griffith of Lim Week. More of my conversation without without messing around. Let's pop back into me and Eric's chat. Do you worry that while Ant might be better than CJ, like? I don't know if he is right now. I don't think he is personally right now, but like, I think he could be in a couple months. Like, I don't think it's outrageous to think this time next year, you'll say, yeah, of course, Anthony Simons is better than CJ. Like, but today I don't think he is necessarily. Do you worry that Ant and Dame is the same thing as, um, as Dame and CJ? Yeah, I do. And I, I think you have to worry about the perimeter defense. Every advanced metric we have shows that, that the reality is Dame and Ant are two of the worst defenders in the NBA. That's what every every advanced metric we have says. I know we can argue about the eye test all day. Um, Dame definitely turns up his defensive intensity at times, and yes. he's smart enough and skilled enough to make some good defensive plays. But on a play by play basis, he does not do that. And I would say Ant, want- I would say Dame is worse on the eye test than he is on the numbers, and the numbers say he's really bad. I, I think if you yeah. watch Dame really closely, like if you're committed to watching him on defense, there are times when you're like. Oh no. <laughs> um, and I'll do it from press row a lot. I'll just be like, I'm gonna watch Dame the whole, the, the whole first yeah. quarter. I'm gonna watch his defensive possessions. And there are, there are times where it doesn't work out. There's also times when you've seen him say, I'm a guard Malcolm Brogdon. He's not going to score. Like he's capable of it, but the NBA season's long. And what does the ask look like for Dame on both sides of the ball? Yeah. And, and, you know, he has the strength too. I think his like much like Chris Paul, maybe his biggest defensive strength is that he is unreasonably strong for his size and you can see him body guys who are bigger than him, just like Chris Paul. So he does have that, that capacity when you need it. And I think if you're looking at a superstar, you, you can get by with that. Um, But you, 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 but you want to pair him, you want to do pair James Harden and Joel and Joel Embiid. And so you want Dame to be paired with some, some defensive stalwarts and, that that ain't Anthony Simons. And yeah. so that's that's where I start to worry is when you have these two honestly very low tier players and you're asking them to be your two best pl- defensive players and you're asking them to be your two best. How many games can you win with that if you don't have three all defensive guys playing alongside them? Exactly. I think that's the thing. And I, Cronin kind of mentioned this. It's like the 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 ceiling for this team will be the complementary parts like the role players and everything else because he thinks that they can be you know a top two offense in the league and i i kind of think if dame is healthy you're something in the top 10 on offense um they were way worse this year i have no idea what to do with chauncey phillips's first season as head coach i feel like it was bad but then i also like just recognize all of the weird stuff that happened started really slow dame never got hurt the whole league got covid they then they then no one played after december 31st um I but think, I know I what mean, I, but, but I think what's concerning is the team started out very bad. They were like, the worst defense in the league immediately, immediately. Yeah. yeah. And they, and they didn't improve at all. Like, so that we had, we had a decent sample size of 30 something games with, you know, CJ was hurt. Nurk was hurt off non, but it was a most, most of the roster was there and we didn't really see any improvement over from October to December on defense. And I would argue and that they had better that. defensive personnel than the season prior. 
when they exactly. were 28th or whatever, 27th, 28th. Like, but, yeah, but, I think it was Kevin O'Connor tweeted out that chart where they had the worst drop coverage defense in the NBA or whatever, and they or not drop coverage, the worst, I think it was the worst hedging coverage in the NBA, and they were doing it three times as often as any other team or something insane. So there was see, some like fatal schematic errors that must be resolved. And if Chauncey is not the guy to resolve those, or, you know, Scott Brooks or whoever out next to him is not the guy to resolve those, there will be dramatic issues next year. Um, and that's, that's kind of the reality of the NBA coaching can't win you a title, but it can sure lose you one. I think that is the actual impact of coaching is that it probably, it probably only affects, you know, right at the margins. Like it makes you, it makes a really good team better. Like see Eric Spolstra, right? Like they're that roster kicks ass. You add Spolstra in, they're incredible. And they win a million games with Gabe Vincent, right? Like they just, and Max Struess, uh, because coaching matters, but like te- they have Jimmy Butler and Pam Adebayo, like they're incredible. They have talent-wise, they're awesome too. You see it with, uh, I think the Celtics are a great example as well. That roster is awesome. It didn't really make sense how bad they were in the past. Um, and I don't think like adding Al Horford, although he was really good for them, I don't think that was like the difference in them being the a mediocre team versus whatever second in the East the coach unlocks a little bit. There is like some, there is, there is a chemistry factor of coaching that isn't just X's and O's. And then there's the X's and O's stuff. And both of those things, like all of that goes into the soup. Um, I don't think, I think the chemistry stuff was off always with the Blazers. And I'll blame that on, I will choose to give it a pass because of all the bizarre circumstances around the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but the X's and O's stuff was a little alarming too. Um, and I think you've, you've got to get that right. And because like you said, like the Blazers aren't going to be a high-end talent team. They're probably going to be a middle-of-the-road talent team, if not a little bit worse. So you do kind of need the coaching to pick up on the margins to make, to clear up for some of their shortcomings. Yeah. And I, you know, the other thing too, I think, um, so the optimist, optimist in me says next year, if everything goes right, the Blazers could end up around six. They could avoid the play in next year if, think, if they really nail it. Um but this is the first time in a while there's true like bottom out, like everything goes wrong potential um, going into a season. Like, I mean, for the second year in a row, because the coaching is a true wild card, especially yeah. with a young and new roster. And I think that Terry, a lot of very valid critiques leveled against Terry Stotts. But I think the, the way that his coaching mitigated a total disaster of a season from ever really happening is an underappreciated re- like it's just it's like we just took it for granted eventually. Yeah, that they were going to be at least they were going to be at least mediocre. Like they never were going to jump into that top tier, but they were going to be at least mediocre every season because of uh one probably just his conservative defensive approach like gave them a baseline of like we're not we're going to be bad but we're not going to be horrific um and we're just going to like at least force harder shots. We're not going to give up so many layups and three-pointers. Um, so I like, yeah, I, not, I don't, I think, I think by the end of Terry's run, he did his worst coaching and that's why he lost his job. Oh, yeah. And like, I just like, it, it is what it is as a results-based business. And he, it was time for both parties to move on. But, um, you know, I, I have no idea what to make of Chauncey. I think Chauncey is one of the biggest wild cards for this because, um, early in the season, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I, when he talked about basketball, I was like, I love this. Like this dude speaks the what he's saying, the things I want to hear. And then I like saw it in practice and I'm like, wait, what on earth is this? And then they gave in you know, then the second half of the season happened and it's like, well, sorry, I don't think a Brandon Williams, Drew Eubanks pick and roll is exactly what, like, I'm not going to figure out the secret sauce here. Um, and, and you just strip them of any chance of being competitive that it just, it didn't matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's really important what you just said, Mike, because I've seen opinions of 
the, about the coaching, about the team, about these players, based on what happened over the last 25 games. Like, oh, maybe Johnson's going to be really good. Um, I, those of us who have been on the blogosphere for long enough remember Ram, Ramon Sessions, you know, putting up 30 assists in, what was it, 2009, 2010, in game 79 or whatever, and getting paid for, I think he got paid based off those 30 assists in one game. Yeah. And I, we have to play a Ramon Sessions rule here and just throw out everything that happened after about January 1st and, and just not like, it, it just doesn't count to me as far yeah. as next season. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you saw Nas and you saw Ant take a jump and I think that's real, but like mm -hmm. there was, there, there's just so many of those games that were just out of control. You know, they lost, they lost something like 11 games by 30 points after, after the turn of the year. Like it's just, they got smoked so many times that it's just like, I, none of the, this is not the same. We're not watching the same sport anymore. Um, yep. I, let's, let's, let's wrap up here and I'll let you get out of here. You've joined for, you joined for back-to-back -back programs here. So we, we really, we, we owe you a little bit of freedom. Uh, what is your, I don't know, like dream, but like, what is your ideal off season look? Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. I've been telling you about Built Bars for a long time. Uh, I've been eating them regularly for over two years. It's been a pretty, pretty regular staple of, of, of my midweek snacks because I like them because they boost your blood sugar and they pack a punch with 17 or 18 grams of protein, but they're not going to fill you up with a bunch of empty calories. Only 130, 180 calories. Most of the bars that I'm eating under 150 calories, no problem. Just four grams of sugar and four net carbs. Uh, I've got some personal favorites. I, I really like peanut butter brownie. That's pretty much always in my home, but you're going to find something you like as well. Uh, I know some of my friends over at the Lockdown Network, they swear by mint brownie. They love coconut almond puff and, and uh, coconut brownie puff. When those are available, they are all over them. So listen, if they're popular with something like 60 podcast hosts, they're probably going to be popular at least with somebody in your house. So why not give them a try? Go to build.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still chatting here with Eric Griffith. Let's get to the rest of my conversation. Eric was kind enough to stick around. He hung out with us on Friday's show. He's back for Monday's show. So let's get into it and talk about what's next and what he wants to see from a, quote, successful Blazers offseason. What does your ideal offseason look like? Like, you don't, you don't have to say, like, trade for Jeremy Grant or whatever, but, like, what does sort of, like, parameters, big picture, broad brush, what does your ideal offseason look like? So I like what you said about Cronin being measured. Um, I think that is true. Um, and I would throw in, it's interesting that he comes off as measured because I think the salary dumping was a little hasty yeah. this year. I think, you know, for just at the very least, waiting until the summer so that the Pelicans could have given you a, like, because if we wait until the summer, the Pelicans could have offered their 2023 first round pick, for instance, as a fallback from the one the Blazers lost in the playing game. So I think, seeing more patience in situations like that like do, like does he use the trade exception right away if he does was it a panic move or we lost um, the rip city we lost it literally mid-record the rip city magazine fell down if you're listening uh i added that on for friday's show i added that and by monday's show it fell down and took a rasheed wallace print with it but we'll keep going so yeah so if he uses that that trade exception early on in the process you'd be a little worried no, no, I wouldn't be worried. I would want to make sure that the value they got from it was like it was it was a it's a good value player. And so I, I don't want to like I want to see trades now that are very measured and that make sense and that we can't second guess. So I like right. I want to see them make very safe, secure moves that 
incrementally improve the team's talent. And I want to see them come out of this somehow with like some kind of draft capital. Like they, they just need more rookie scale contracts. And so I'm not necessarily looking at what players they get, but I'm looking for continued incremental improvement and no panic trades, no trades that push all the chips in prematurely. I want to see them think about what they're doing and slowly improve the team. Yeah. I mean, he has talked about how building a roster could take a couple cycles, like trade deadline off season yep. following trade deadline. So if he, if that's real, and again, it's like, I don't, the same way I don't really know what to do with Chauncey. I don't know what to do with Joe. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. super aggressive. I thought the Norman Rocco trade was too early, too much. Didn't need to do it. You could get under the salary cap with just doing the CJ trade, vice versa, whatever that might look like. I think you kind of had to trade CJ just based on the situation, but like, you know, I, I think you could find a salary dump for decent players making too much money at another point, whatever that might look like. Um, but like, you know, I, I also know that he's, he's someone who like, he had a plan and went for it, but I don't know what to do if like, if he's, if he had a plan and he struck out and he's like, maybe not good at this or the bad luck of the Lakers being horrific and Brandon Ingram getting exceedingly hot for two quarters of one NBA game is like what mm-hmm. changed the outcome for him. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm super curious if, if he does believe in that multiple cycles thing and you get, you get a little bit better in the summer and then, but you still have ammunition to get even better at the trade deadline. Um, I'm, I'm willing to be patient, but I'm also like, I host a damn daily podcast. I'm going to be critical. I'm going to be critical along yeah. the way. I'll be patient. But, and I think there's other, there's the other like around the margin moves that we can watch that'll be interesting. Um, so you and I DM'd a little bit about the Joe Ingles situation because mm-hmm. there's some, you know, there's been some, some stuff floating around Twitter that they kept Joe Ingles around to stay over the salary cap. Um, stay over the salary cap with his bird rights. And so I think, for instance, something they could do with Joe Ingles is when all the dust is settled, you know, it's August 1st or September 1st, we're in that in-between training camp and uh, and the free agency period, and the Blazers are sitting either below the luxury tax or below the apron, they should offer, I think, Joe Ingles the remainder of whatever's left under the luxury tax, be it $10, you know, $10 million or $8 million or $7 million, offer him that money and then add a team option for the same amount of money on the second year. And that creates a player in that mid, like, you know, slightly below or right at the mid-level, mid-level exception level money that you can then trade or you can aggregate with some other players that you can use to make a blockbuster trade later on. And those are need, the type of... Yeah, you, you need those salaries. Exactly. And those are the type of around the fringes moves that O'Shea that chose not to made, make. That he did, it once, with Rod- this, he did make. it once with Rodney Hood. He yes, signed okay. Roddy, he gave Rodney Hood a raise yeah. and then get it uh, gave him a team option and it allowed him to go get Norman Powell like that exactly. it specifically allowed him to make a trade uh Gary Trent Jr was the was the talent that made that trade possible but Roddy Hood was the salary that allowed that trade to go through Exactly. And, and, you know, we can, um, the, the heat just did it with our, you know, our old friend Myers Leonard there, they offered him a 10 plus 10 um, with the team option. They didn't end up trading him, but I, I very much doubt that Pat Riley regrets that decision. And so right. those are the type of things I hope the Blazers do. I hope the around the margins moves that are not flashy, that only the, you know, the nerds on Twitter, like me, are going to notice. I think those are going to be very symbolic of the team of what direction the team is headed. Yeah. Well, Hey, follow Eric. Eric G underscore MBA. So you can find out what the nerds are excited about. Uh, Eric, thanks for, thanks for joining the program. Appreciate you sticking around for two shows. If you didn't listen to Friday's show, we went all over the Blazers cap situation and Eric walked us through. It was really, really informative. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you're reading Willamette week to read Eric's, I'll say it measured takes 
the um, I don't want to call you the Joe Cronin of the Willamette Week because that might end up being an insult. Uh, that, that could look that'll look like a mean thing that I said in the future. So Check back we'll, in two years, right? Yeah, exactly. Potentially <laughs> my, the Joe Cronin or um, you know whatever whatever person we think is uh, my editor might agree with you already. We have to ask him. <laughs> oh, no. Mash, if you're listening, this almost certainly better than Joe Cronin. No, <laughs> um, read the Willamette Week. Follow him on Twitter, and uh, we'll you know a, a recurring guest in the program. So we'll have you back soon, Eric. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Mike. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Listeners, tell your friends about the show. Available wherever you get podcasts. Available on YouTube. We've got more shows coming this week. It's what we do. Five days a week. Available wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.